Well, in the book of Psalms, chapter 127, the psalmist here, starting in verse 3, talks about the family, and particularly children. It says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will speak with their enemies in the gate. This passage right away tells us four things about this. Number one, that children are a gift of the Lord. What a blessing they are. And we're going to talk about that. Our lesson today is going to be about the seasons of parenting. He also tells us that children are a reward. He tells us that they are support and confidence, like, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know, we, we would talk about having uh, the armor of our military today. If you're a warrior back in, in these times when that was written, and you didn't have a sword, you didn't have an arrow, you better just run fast because you're, you're going to be toast. And so to have arrows in your hand, you could shoot the enemy far away. What confidence and, and assurance that would give you. And then that they are a blessing. And the writer John Wiltmelt said this. He says, before I was married, I had three theories about raising children. I now have three children, and I have no theories. And I think a lot of parents can understand that and speak of that. Back home, we've had just a whole bunch of babies being born recently, and so uh, I thought it would be good to spend some time talking about parenting and how parenting changes. The book of Job says, naked I came, and that's how children come. They don't come with a name tag. They don't come with money. They don't come even with a diaper. They come with nothing, but oh, how they change your world. In my office back home, I have this picture high up above my shelves. It just looks like a tree. It doesn't look like one of my kids gave me that. It just looks like a tree, plain tree. But what's interesting is when you walk around my office and you look at that tree, all of a sudden it changes. Same tree, but all of a sudden it has a winter scene. Or it has a fall scene. And, and that impressed me about how the same tree looks different in different seasons. And so what we're going to look at today is this idea of the seasons of parenting, of how parenting changes through the seasons. Now, let's begin with just a couple important understandings. First of all, we need to listen to what God says about this. God is the one who made us. God's the one who started the family. God's the one who understands all things about the family. And so we are created in his image. The active role of parenting belongs uh, with mom and dad. It's not the school system. It's not the government. It's no one else. And we cannot let anyone else shape them. No one has the more interest, more love, more invested than mom and dad in their own children's hearts. And so those are some things we need to understand. Appreciate what God says about this. I was asked some time ago to, to give a lesson about parenting, and, and this is how I began it. I said, I am a dad. I have four grown children. All four are married, and among them I have 11 grandchildren. My children are now parents. We've experienced the drama of sports from Little League all the way up to college volleyball. We've seen championships, and we've tasted the agony of defeat. We've experienced the drama of teaching our kids how to drive. There's lots of stories there. We have seen honor rolls and missed scholarships. We've been in choirs and band. We witnessed ups and downs of dating and broken hearts, the frantic days of weddings. We've had trips to the hospitals, we've had surgeries, there's been car accidents. I've sat in stands and watched them or, or watched them on the field or on the stage. I had the honor of baptizing all four of them. I conducted the funerals for the pets when they died. 
There were times when those little ones would put their tiny hands in my hand as we walked down the road together. They sat in my lap as I often wrote sermons. I am a dad. Every parent can have their own story with that. You all understand those things. In the book of James, in chapter 5, James tells us this principle about farming. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil and, and being patient about it until it gets the early rains, early and late rains, and then, then it returns to what it should be. Now, now there, there's some principles about farming that affect us with parenting. And what we see, number one, is what happens in one season impacts what follows. That's true in farming. What happens one season impacts the other. You have a very, very wet spring, you have a very dry spring, a very dry summer, a very dry fall. All that impacts one season affects the next season. And we're going to see that is true in parenting. What we also understand is each season has its own challenges and blessings. This is true in farming. This is true in parenting. You know, when, when you have that little bitty baby in your arms and it just looks at you in your eyes and you think, Life could not be any better than this. And then that little baby grows up. And then one day that baby is sitting beside you in a pew. And you know that when you're preaching, he's preaching. You think, life can't be better than that. And so each season has its blessings. Each season has its challenges. Each season that we see that there's a growing time. And one cannot put that off for another season. Now, particularly where I'm at in Indiana, we have, we have some pretty bad winters sometimes. And, and you can't wait till late in the season to start planting because then it's going to be too late. You can't go out in January and say, you know, I'd like to have a garden ripe tomato right now, so I'm going to plant a tomato in January. Not in Indiana, you're not going to do that because it's not going to grow. And so, so there's particular seasons. And again, with parenting, as we'll see in a minute, that is true also. And what we also see and understand is those that do not recognize the different seasons oftentimes suffer. And that's why we're presenting this, to look at these things and talk about these things. So we begin, first of all, with spring. That little bitty child, that child you bring home. And how fresh and new and exciting it is. I like this little thing I, I read the other day. It says, you know you're a mom. You know you're a mom when your feet stick to the kitchen floor and you simply don't care. You know you're a mom when popsicles become a food stable in your household. You know you're a mom when your favorite TV show is a cartoon. You know you're a mom if you ever stuck a pacifier in your mouth just to clean it off. That's just gross. <laughs> There's just no other words. You know you're a mom if you counted the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake just to make sure they're equal. You know you're a mom if you hire a babysitter to go out with your husband and you spend half the evening checking in on the kids. You know you're a mom if at least once you try to put your husband in time out. Yes, you know that. So, in the book of Psalms, we, we see Psalms chapter 1, and this is the goal during the spring, to build trust, to establish relationships. Your child comes knowing nothing. He cannot speak. He does not know his name. He knows absolutely nothing. And so, you are the first teacher. You are the first example among them. And your child is going to develop trust and faith and hope based upon what you do. And the goal here is exactly what we see in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. How blessed it says that the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of the water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's what we want. We want our children, number one, to be godly and God-fearing and God-glorifying. And we want our children to be able to not be swayed by error. We don't want our children to be, to be caught, to caught off in things that are not true. To be able to recognize this is right and this is wrong. To have discernment, as Hebrews chapter 5 teaches. That is to go. And so through you as the parent, the home is where they first learn. They first learn. Now I want you to understand this, parents. Your children will learn. They'll learn the right way or they'll learn the wrong way. They'll learn that book you have in your hand we call the Bible. is the inspired word of God. It's heaven sent. It's divine. God says, and we, we don't add anything to it. We don't argue with God. God said it. That's the way it is. Your child will learn that, or he'll go to college and hear professors say that this book, this old, old book, is really the gathering of a whole bunch of fables through the generations that somebody put in this book, and it's no more true than Harry Potter. Yeah, your kid's going to learn about the Bible, either the right way from you or the wrong way. Your child's going to learn about the church, that the church is the saved people, and we're here to be the body of Jesus Christ, that we're here to glorify God and to elevate God, and we are the instant, we are God's hands and fingers on earth today. They'll learn that from you, or they'll learn from one of these mega churches, the church is all about what I want. I want popcorn. I, I want a, can, a counter out there with M&M's. Everywhere I go, I have M&M's. I have M&M's in my office, M&M's at home. I even have M&M cufflinks. And some days I'm going to eat those, you know. But, but, but I just love M&M's. And wouldn't it be cool out there to have M&M's? Why couldn't we do that? I think it would be great. They will learn that either from you, but that has nothing to do with worshiping the God of heaven. And God is first, not you. Or else they'll learn it from someone else. They'll learn what love is. The love is commitment. Love is devotion. Love is serving someone else. Love is lifting someone else up. Or they'll learn from the boyfriend and the girlfriend what love is is whatever you can get from someone else. You take and you take and you take, and when you're done, you throw that away and go after someone else. You see, your child's going to learn. And you need to see it's in the spring that I need to start planting these right ideas. They'll learn about money. They're going to learn about authority. They're going to learn about grace and forgiveness. They're going to learn about accountability and responsibility and obedience. They're going to learn about respect. And they're going to learn that every single person matters. You see, they will learn that or they'll see it from something else that may not be right. The spring is an important time to plant. In the book of 1 Kings, in chapter 1, verse 6, as it talks about one of David's sons, his father had never crossed him at any time. I know I couldn't say that. My dad crossed me a few times. I know Jordan can't say that. I know. Whooped him a few times. Had to get him lined up, you know? But, but what this is saying is David could rule the nation. David could rule the world. But David couldn't rule his home. He never crossed him. He never disciplined him. He never did what was right. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 6, and we, we go to this passage so often when we talk about parenting. And again, I want you to turn over there with me just to see this. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
And beginning here in this passage of verse 5, let's read down to verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, as it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, that's nighttime, when you rise up, that's morning time. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What are you doing? You're talking about God all the time. We're out of the store, and we're seeing somebody, and we're seeing somebody not doing right. What do you think about that, child? What do you think God would want us to do? There's a lesson right there. You're driving down the highway, and here's this loony. He's all over the place, driving way too fast, going all this stuff. You say, how do you think God would want us to drive a car? You think God cares what that little sign says and the speed limit? Do you think he cares? And what you're doing is you're teaching them. You're teaching them in the morning, in the evening, when they go to bed, when they get up. You've got these little, these little plaques or little things on the wall, these little things you get at Hobby Lobby that has these little verses on All around, he's seeing the Bible. The Bible is important to us. God is important to us. And that's what's being emphasized through all of this. And during this time period, what you're doing is you're building character and you're building the idea of showing manners. So, after services, you're talking to another adult. And a little child comes to the door. Mommy, 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 mommy. What do you want, honey? No. Mommy's talking. You don't interrupt. How they behave themselves in this building. How they behave themselves in stores. How they behave themselves in other people's homes. How they behave themselves in different places. I remember when Debbie and I were first married. Two stories. First story, somebody told us one of the best things you can do to help you with children is get a dog. Bad advice. Bad advice. You can put that dog out at night. If you do that to your child, you're in trouble. You can sell your dog. If you sell your kid, you're going to jail. So no, that's, that, that, that's not right. And then we had a couple over one time. I'll never forget this. I was talking to this man. We were having a little Bible study. And his kid was back in the background just taking all the stuff off the shelf. That, my eyes were about this big, you know. He said, turn around, look. And he just never did. How does your child behave around others? How does your child talk to others? This is what you're doing in the spring. You're planting and you're building. And you're getting this to see how important this is. One person wrote this, if they see that they value, mom and dad value character and excellence, they will learn the quick and easy way is not always the best way. If they see honesty, even when it hurts, then they won't lie as a way out. If they see love and grace and forgiveness, they won't learn to deny their mistakes. If they see God in the home, they'll learn that, that his will is the most important will, and this is what we do. A little league baseball game. Coach went over to the boy, he said, come here. So I'm going to talk to you. He said, now, when the umpire calls a strike, you don't throw your bat down, you don't kick the dirt, you don't get mad, you don't start shouting. Do you understand that? And, and, and when the umpire says, you're out, you're out. Don't go screaming at that umpire. Do you understand that? And the little boy said that. He said, will you go up and stand and tell that to your dad? <laughs> Funny, but how true. I've coached kids' sports. The worst one I had to deal with was parents. Parents, okay? Johnny needs to be playing, Roger. Well, Johnny can't even know which hand to put the glove on, you know? 
this is hard, Johnny. I can't do that. And you get, the, you get all these parents who are living through the kids' lives, and that causes all kinds of trouble with that. And so the spring is when you're planting. Spring is when you're emphasizing behavior. Spring is when you're talking about God. Spring is when you're really teaching these things. So the springtime is a focus on teaching God, teaching what's right, teaching the things that really matter. And those are things that are valuable. And what I hear from parents, we've got a lot of parents this age, what I hear from parents is, I'm so tired. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We had four. Someone said, how did you do it? I said, well, we, we started getting ready for church on Thursday, you know. <laughs> That's just what you have to do sometimes, you know. It's, it's tiring. But spring leads into summer, and things change. Now, I want you to understand, if you don't plant well in summer, you're going to have difficulty. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it would say, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. Jesus was growing socially. Jesus was growing in all different ways. And if you don't plant well in the spring, summer is going to be tough. What happens in the spring determines what kind of summer you're going to have. And now what you're doing is you're transitioning. Your child is growing. And no longer is it now, you do this because I say so. What you're doing now is they're starting to think for themselves. They're starting to get outside influences from schoolmates. They're getting outside influences from teachers, from friends, from other people. And, and now they're hearing all these different ideas. And what you're trying to get them to see is the emphasis is, is to see how valuable God is. And you're transitioning for themselves. They now have these different voices, different perspectives, different ideas. Your role has changed. And during the summer, the child grows to a young man, a young lady. They learn to drive. They start dating. They start thinking for themselves. And what you're doing is you're now transitioning to the aspect of we need to be thinking these things out. Turn your Bible now to the book of Proverbs. Notice how Proverbs flows at the very beginning here. Chapter 1 of Proverbs, if you will. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And let's notice verse 5. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Proverbs 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Now notice the flow. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. You see what he's saying? He's not just saying, because I'm dad and I told you to. He's reasoning with them. You're now able to think. You're able to put things together. You're able to have consequences. And, I, and I'm appealing to you from that standpoint. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, the instructions of a father. Chapter 31, remember chapter 31, the great chapter about the virtuous woman? Do you remember how that chapter begins? Chapter 31, verse 1, the, king, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. And then notice what she says in verse 4. It's not for kings, old Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine. You're going to be king someday, stay away from the liquor. It's not going to help you rule. Notice what she says in verse 9. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Think about the little guy. You're going to be the king in the palace, but you think about the guy who built that palace. And then comes the words of verse 10. 
an excellent wife who can fight. Chapter 31 are the words of a mom to a son, reminding him of his place, reminding him of what is important. And so it's during this time period that character and habits begin. Now, you start, let's just, let's just put the cards on the table, let's be honest. You start smoking cigarettes when you're in middle school. If you get to live to 60s as I am in, you're lucky if you're alive. You don't, got, you don't find guys 60 years old. I'm 65 years old. You don't find guys my age going to the smoke shop for the first time saying, now, how is it you hold that thing between your fingers? I've never done this before. Not my age. My age are trying to quit. My age, they're dying because of that. When did it start? A long time ago, there was a habit. You start the habit of lying. You clean your room? Yeah. You know you didn't. Got your homework done? Yeah. Later on, it transitions to a boss. Later on, it transitions to God. And you begin a lifestyle of lying all the time. You see, it's during the summer when these habits begin. But so do the habits of righteousness. So do the habits of prayer. So do the habits of honoring God and worshiping him and developing these things as God wants us to develop. All those things transition. And so as your character is being built, whether you're going to be lazy or energetic, honest or helpful, these are things that are going to come about. So if you're an athlete on the field, you're going to go by the rules. You're going to respect the coaches. You're going to play fair. And you're going to be a good winner or a good loser. If you're a student, you're going to honor God in that classroom. He will, you will work hard and you'll be honest. You're not going to cheat. If you're employed, you'll honor God at the work site, working for as if the Lord. You will not cheat the system. You'll use your money in a godly and a generous way. You will not compromise your principles. You will not do something just to get ahead, not just to get a victory, not just to get a dollar. Because this is what God wants you to do. In your Bible, turn with me for the book of Genesis chapter 22. The last period we were in verse 5. I want you to look a little bit earlier here in Genesis 22. Let's begin verse 4. Genesis 22, verse 4. And here as it talks about the sacrifice of Isaac that God was testing Abraham with. Genesis 22 and verse 4. It says, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took in his hand the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked on together. Let's just stop for a minute and say something here. One of the flavors of the month is everything you do is worship. Breathing is worship. Brushing your teeth is worship. Mowing your yard is worship. We worship all the time. Well, this passage doesn't say that. It says, as Abraham was with the servants, y'all stay right here. Me and the boy are going to walk over here. Now, this isn't worship. We're walking over here. When we get over here, we're going to worship. Now, when we're done with worship, we're going to come back over here to you. Worship is planned and specific. It doesn't just happen. You don't wake up one day and say, where's the thing? It wasn't a dream, but I just accidentally worshiped God. No, that never happens. But now read on. Something else happens here. 
as he says in verse 5, we will worship and return to you. Abraham, verse 6, took the wood of the burnt offering, laid on Isaac his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide for himself. Notice Isaac understood. I want you to think about this. What if this morning, one of the shepherds got up here before any service began, says, we're going to do something here at Campbell Road we've never done before. We're going to let the teenagers be in charge of worship and sit down and say another word. What would happen this morning? Would they say, yes, finally, we get to do what we want to do. Run to my car and get the guitar. Let's do this stuff. Isaac knew you need a lamb. Isaac didn't say, well, God, or Father Abraham, I don't have a lamb, but you know what? I found a turtle. Let's give God a turtle. How about a leaf? I got a rock. He knew how to worship. How did he know? He had seen his father worship. That's what's going on during the summer. They're learning reverence. They're learning how to worship biblically. They're learning that out there, there's a lot of unbiblical worship. And they're learning to distinguish between what God says and what others are doing. That is a concept that we see during this time period. And again, the concept that is so important with this. And so what I hear from parents during this season is, I am so good. And so they are. Then we move to fall. And once again, in fall, things change. Psalmist was saying, Psalms chapter 37, verse 25, I have been young and now I am old. And in the fall, again, if you haven't planted well in the summer, fall, or in the spring rather, the fall can be very painful. Now the kids are grown. They've moved out of the house. They're married. They have their own family. They're in the spring of their life with their children. They have jobs and mortgages and car payments. And many of them are doing the very things you did in the spring. And, and this is one of the most difficult periods for parents. I want to be honest here. I am here right now. I'm almost into the winter. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Tell you what my kids are doing for me. Not a nice thing. You need to talk to them. But in the fall, you realize as a parent, my role has changed from being a parent to simply being an advisor. I'm a counselor to them. You see, when they, were, when they were in the spring and in the summer, you picked out their little outfits. Oh, you're going to wear this cute little blue thing, this cute little pink thing, and I'm going to tell you when to eat, I'm going to tell you what you're going to eat, what show you're going to watch, and when you're going to bed. We control their whole lives. But now, they've left father and mother. And that's not location. That's maturity. And now they have their own families. And now we can't do that. I can't come to Jordan's house and say, Jordan, you need to go to bed. He can look me in the eye and say, oh man, you can go to bed. <laughs> it's past your bedtime. Why can't I do that? Because now I'm just an advisor. I'm just a counselor. He has got his own independent family. Now listen, moms and dads, those of us that have grown kids, that's one of the biggest troubles we cause them. Because we haven't figured out that we're no longer parenting, but we're counselors. 
and we get involved in their lives, telling them, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and it creates hardships. Now, there is a difference between weird, odd, and dumb, and unbiblical. If the child crosses something that's unbiblical, they're doing something that's going to keep them from heaven, you need to be involved. But otherwise, you can go to heaven and be dumb. You can go to heaven doing weird. You can go to heaven and have all kinds of stuff. One of my kids one day, I won't say which one, it wasn't this one, but one of the other ones, we were, we were walking in the hardware store one day, and we're just walking through, and he said, look at that, Dad, they sell black toilets. I said, yeah, so what? And we walked, they got black refrigerators. I'm thinking about getting my whole house black. I may paint the walls black. I'm thinking, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. I said, there's a word for that. It's called a cave. Why do you want to live in a cave for? But you know what? You can do that and go to heaven. Don't ask me to do that. I won't, par I won't participate in that. But you can do that. Now, moms and dads are my age. You don't realize this. We start coming into their home and said, oh, you, you, you didn't cut your grass the right way. Or you need to change this. Or you need to do this. Be careful. You're still parenting. And your role is a counselor. And sometimes they don't want your advice. Sometimes they don't agree with your advice. And we need to see and appreciate how valuable this is and how important this is. And to see this. You know, you, here in this area, this, of course, is George Bush country. And the story is told that uh, when W was president, mom and dad were visiting the White House. And they all got up real early, early in the morning, had their coffee. W had his feet on the coffee table. Barbara came in there and said, George, get your feet off the table. This is the White House. Big George says, don't say that to him. He's the president of the United States. Barbara said, I'm his mother. <laughs> well, there comes a time when you can't say that. If it's their house, they can put their feet on the, if they want to. In their house, they can do what? It's their house. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see as, as moms and dads. One of the big mistakes we make is when we forget that we are merely counselors now. We're advisors. And we've got to watch our opinion. How we did things, the way we would do things. Now, if they seek your advice, that's wonderful. If they don't agree with your advice, unless it becomes against what God says, you've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. And good thing I just looked at the clock. I forgot about the clock, you know. I forgot about the clock. I got a post-up note right here. It says 1040, okay? So that's the clock. Okay, so winter. Winter. Now, once again, you don't do well in the spring. Don't do well in the summer. Don't do well in the fall. It's going to be really hard. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, it says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, it's talking about taking care of somebody in the church who's financially into trouble. You had children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. Make some return to their parents. They clothed you, they took care of you when you were sick. Now it's time for you to take care of them. So if you don't plant well in the spring, the winter can be lonely. And now the roles change and the children parent the parent. And discussions come up, such as, how long should they still drive that car? How long should they stay in that house? And those are discussions as parents, when we're that age, we don't want to hear that. But the love and the devotion that they've given to us shows that they care about that. 
And it's not a time to be grumpy. It's time to be thankful for what God wants us to do. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the, uh, the result or the outcome of their faith, as I did to imitate that. Examples of walking with the Lord. Examples of faithfulness. Examples of marriage that were strong and good. Examples of battles fought and battles won. Shame on us when we make things worse. Shame on us when we leave our families or our church in a worse condition than when we started it. Shame on us when we're not doing as God wants us to do. And so the legacy of godly living. And psalmist would say in Psalm chapter 92 about the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. And again, that concept of how valuable that is when we consider those things. And so the idea when we go back to these principles, these farming principles, spring, it's going to affect summer. It's going to affect fall. It's going to impact the winter. And so how valuable it is to see what our role is, what we need to do, what happens in each season, and what God wants us to do. And in all of this, we need to see that we need God's word in every single season. God's word works in every single season. That we need God's help for all these things. There's an old Robin Williams movie called Hook. And there's a scene in that movie where the little girl is being carried away by the pirate. She looks over her shoulder at Captain Hook. And she says, somebody needs a mother very badly. And so it is. And so it is. So I hope this gives us some things to think about. Maybe I'm in the summer. Maybe I'm in the fall. Maybe I didn't plant well in the spring. Well, you better get after it. Better get after it. And better realize the way that God wants me to do these things. And to realize these things. Because if I ignore these things and just put it off because I'm, I'm doing my career, I ignore these things because I'm too busy right now, I ignore these things because I'm just not into it right now, a season will come when I'm going to need them, and they're going to say, I don't even know who you are. I have no relationship. And that's the saddest thing that can happen. So that's our thoughts. I hope it gives you some things to consider, some things to talk about. Maybe it will help us as we think about our role of parenting our families. Thank you so much. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.